Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, how our brains balance freedom and teamwork. That's a really good question for us today because we're struggling with that in society as well. But our brains might be able to give us some ideas because they have the same struggle. If we were to look in the brain, we'd notice that there were regions where the brains tended to fire alike. And that's how we know we have networks, because they all are on the same page, they have the same message from time to time. In order to do that, they have to have a kind of boundary between their group and the next group. We likened that before to a junior high lunchroom where one table is one group and another table might be another group, and the brain's not too different from that in that respect. If a child were born with an undeveloped limb, let's say the left arm didn't have the lower limb or the hand, that would be treated in a way that might not make sense at first. The infant would be given a prosthetic to put over the remaining part of the arm so that there was some weight to it. And you'd say, why? They can't use their fingers anyway right now. Why are you doing that? And the reason they're doing that is because the cells that were going to be handling that hand and that lower arm were a turf that had to be used or got lost. It's a use it or lose it kind of rule. So as long as the baby is having to lift weight in the area that would have been the lower limb, at the time that the child is old enough to handle a prosthetic, then when you do put it on, it's that part of the brain that runs that show and makes it a whole lot easier for the child to learn to use their prosthetic. So what the cells are doing there by having that weight is protecting their role. If we didn't do that, the cells that were supposed to handle the hand and the lower limb would then not have a function And the neighboring cells would say, hey, you're not used for anything. Let's just use you over here, and we'll borrow you. We'll take you into our turf, and you become one of us. So they would lose their identity. So this need to create a boundary and create a function, we could call creating autonomy. The cells want their autonomy. They want to be unique. So what if our brain cells didn't have that individuality? They didn't have the freedom to be different. Well, then they could slide back to being all the same. And it would be similar to something called a slime mold, which is just a big bag of protoplasm, and all of the cells have kind of dived into that bag, and only the nuclei are inside, and then there's this one big cell wall. So we wouldn't basically have a very functional brain because all the cells would join and be taken up by one glob. But then, let's say we've got our turf all right, and all the little territories have their own little voices and their own little functions. They're still not going to be able to work unless they can cooperate. Now you have to make the connections or build the networks and learn the skills. So if they wanted to take action, somehow they'd have to get on the same page in their little area and create a signal instead of all the chatter that's going on. And those cells that are firing together are agreeing to send a single message for now. 
you could say they're surrendering to a common cause. They're going with the flow. And we would call that building coherence, becoming all one. So what if our cells weren't willing to cooperate and they only competed? They only insisted on their freedom. Well, that would look like rampant cancer where there's no higher purpose. They're just going on and on doing their individual thing until they kind of kill the host. That's not unlike what the COVID virus would do. It can only live and propagate if it finds hosts. So we get it, we become the host, and in us, it uses our bodies to multiply and then disperse little offspring into the air through the droplets. So then they can find the next host. So birds are able to create coherence or cooperate. They can fly independently, but have you ever seen a flock of birds just rise up out of a tree and then fly as a group? I mean, (laughs) if they didn't cooperate, you'd see them banging into each other and falling into the ground. So when they're flying as a group, they surrender their opinion as to where they want to go, and they become kind of a group mind. Well, that's really quite a difficult struggle for us right now. As individuals, we find it a whole lot harder to surrender our independence in order to serve a common cause. Teamwork is our challenge. The fear of losing freedom is actually a worry about losing that autonomy, of having our voices drowned out or of being silenced or of not being seen. So now we can look at the brain cells again and say, all right, How do you get the most airtime? How do you get the best chance to be heard and get to send your messages? And the answer is interesting. There's a secret. They are designed to yield the floor to their neighbors as if they've been taught manners so that the talkers are the cells that are firing at any one time. But if you looked at the cells around it, they would be quiet so that there's the excitatory ones that are talking, and around that, just almost part of the programming, the others are silent or inhibitory. So the cells are forever taking turns. And you think, well, why would they do that? Wouldn't you want to just be the bully on the playground and get to talk all the time? They do it because this gives every cell the most possible time to talk. So what if the cells chose to be autonomous and refused to take turns? What would that look like? Why is the brain programmed to not have that happen if possible? Well, on occasion, it actually does happen. Because once in a while, there can be an extremely stimulating condition that will override this natural turn-taking balance. And what does that look like? We call that a grand mal seizure. All the cells are firing at once. And that's followed by all of them being silent. So no productive message is being sent at all. And in general, the brain understands it doesn't pay. So when we look at our situations, this is also a key difference between a riot and a protest. In a protest, there's a coherent message. If you have skillful crowd control, you're going to support the focus and the self-control of the crowd, allowing them to speak and listen to one another. But when the self-control weakens and the turn-taking stops or when something overstimulates the crowd and provokes it, 
the members can lose their self-awareness, and that can trigger the seizure, the loss of awareness and self-control that we call a riot. So what's our takeaway? Listening and speaking are how the brain stays balanced, and it's not a bad example for communities and the larger society to follow as well. <laughs>